Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Hello, dear friends. Thanks again for honoring us by joining Frank and me on the Our Resolute Hope podcast. Once again, my name is John Russin. I'm your host. I'm here with my dear friend, Pastor Frank Friedman, how are you today, dear? It's a good day. It's a busy day. That keeps me out of trouble. Well, that's true. When you <laughs> texted me this morning and uh, you said, boy, I'm moving at light speed. I thought, wow, nobody's ever moved at light speed before. I wonder how he's doing that. <laughs> and then I, I made a mistake and said our regular time. And then I gave you the wrong time. So. Well, okay. So welcome to the world of light speed. All right, uh, dear friends, if you've just joined us, you have caught us right in the middle of our current series. We call it The One Another's. It's our take on life in the body of Christ. In other words, it's how we think God designed and equipped us for kingdom living on earth. And Frank, if you recall, we've had some, some troublesome topics, things like stop judging one another and accept one another and be kind and considerate and tenderhearted. Those were hard for us because we look around at our own lives and the lives of others, we don't see that very much. But my friend, I'm giving you a fair warning today. This one, I think, is going to be even harder, at least for me. It comes from Ephesians 4.2, and I'm reading from what's become my favorite version of Scripture, the English Standard Version, and it says this, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love. So in other words, be patient with one another. Wow. I look at that and King James has forbearing. Well, that's kind of an old word, but I looked it up and it means to sustain or keep on bearing a burden, to endure, which means, Frank, that sometimes our interactions with people will seem like tremendous weights on our shoulders. This is going to be really difficult, you know, because it's hard to endure someone who's just so difficult to be around, isn't it? Wow. How much time do you have today, John? <laughs> well, our standard length is about 40 minutes. And if you want personal testimony, we better add some sessions. But if we're just going to talk about the issue, we could probably shorten it. <laughs> oh, yes, it's hard. My goodness. How about marrying somebody who's an hour late and you're an hour early person, just for starters? Well, yeah, that, uh, that kind of works for me, too. Oh, by the way, just to make the stakes a little higher, my friend, it not only says be patient with one another and bear one another, but it says this. This is the qualifier that nails me. Bear one another in love. That means while you're bearing under this burden of this person, you are to agape them, to do the most redemptive and constructive and honoring thing for them. So my friend, that just raises the stakes. Yes, it does, John, because, you know, when you said that, one of the words in the old Hebrew for love, it was translated loving kindness. 
And what that word really means is to suffer long. It's a patient love. If I was going to put Frank's free translation, people are different from us. And all of us struggle with that old belief system, we shall be as God. And for many of us, we think that we're the ones best equipped, so we should play the part in the relationship. And then we've got the busyness of the day, all the things we've got to accomplish. And it becomes very, very difficult for us to be patient with someone who's blocking our goals, you know, hindering us from getting everything done that we need to, or not doing what we think they should, because after all, we do it better than anybody else, and they should do it the way we do. So my Frank's free translation maybe would be something like this. We're going to have to put up with people, but do it in such a way that they don't know that we're putting up with them. <laughs> you know what I mean? In the tone of our voice, in what is on our face, we really have to guard against communicating that we're being impatient or that there's a hidden anger or frustration because those kind of looks and words can not only cripple a relationship, but they can cripple the person we're in relationship with. That's right. And love does the most redemptive and constructive and honoring thing for them. And so blowing them off, even though logic says that we should, could do nothing except raise a barrier between us. And so this really comes down, my friend, to nothing other than our basic life attitude. How do we respond when people's behavior and their choices become a burden to us? You know, what's interesting, this verse says, with all humility and gentleness, um, that same phrase is used only two places in scripture. The other place is Philippians 2, where it says, in lowliness and humility of mind, let each esteem others than themselves. So not only are we to endure this burden, some relationship, but we are to treat this person as if they are more important than ourselves. And my friend, I might be able to handle the first rung every once in a while, but this one, to esteem them better than myself, I tell you, man, uh, I am very often a pretty dismal failure. Well, John, you brought up a very important point, and I think who all of our listeners need to home in on this one. If this is something we try to do, we will fail. We lack the resources. This is really a fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. Patience, there it is. Gentleness, kindness, self-control. Uh, all four of those, those last ones are all tied up into this one. So it's not something that we can manufacture. It really is going to be the fruit of an intimate dependent love walk with the Holy Spirit in which he expresses his life through us to others because it's supernatural. It's supposed to be supernatural. If you bump into me in a hallway, you know, excuse me, no problem. If you just smash my car because you weren't paying attention, I'm going to struggle. But you and I both know somebody who's not going to struggle with that. 
because he's already proved it. I mean, he loved people that spit in his face. So this is very important. I think, you know, Christian religion would try to manufacture this. And it's nothing but a cheap counterfeit. But it's the Christ life released, experienced in us, expressed by us, that alone can produce this in such a genuine fashion in supernatural power that not only will our flesh be restrained, but that person will feel safe around us. They'll know that we're not gritting our teeth with them. Because, you know, I can put up with people and grit my teeth and they'll see my face. That's right. Uh, but this is something supernatural. I was just finished a conference this weekend up in Texas. And this is what I was trying to drum into these people the whole weekend. If you can pull off the Christian life, it's not the Christian life. Because the Christian life is supernatural. It's Christ in us. And that's the thing Paul never ever got over. That's right. And you know, when I think about this, Frank, when I look at this humility and gentleness and lowliness, that to me is a self-check because no matter how much I think I know or how mature I think I am, I come to my father with all kinds of whining and complaining. You know, he forbears with me mm. immeasurably. And so mm. that's the kindness and acceptance and patience he shows toward me. I can bring him the very same wine every day for five years and he will listen. Mm. He may work to step in and correct and teach and, and show me what his life looks like, but he is patient, he is long suffering. Mm -hmm. And so when I realize from an accurate view of myself, how far short I fall, in Christ's life in me, it should be a wake-up call, a check for me to realize that uh, this other person who's bugging the boogers out of me, there's not too much difference between them and me and me and God. Yeah. And so, you know, I just think about how Father responds to me, and therefore, I don't duplicate that. I don't suck it up mm. and marshal my resources. I say, Father, please be that in me, through me, mm -hmm. to this person. Yes, uh, John, because again, you know, you, the key word you mentioned earlier was love. And, and so if this person is frustrating me, which happens all the time, right? If they're blocking my goals, if they're doing something that I've asked them not to do, uh, it's really love that's going to be the issue here. Am I really interested in slapping them into shape? Or am I really trying to be an expression of Christ to them? And you said a key word just a second ago, the goodness of God. In Romans 2, it says it's the goodness of God, the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. So rather than, you know, slapping them up and, you know, shouting them out and calling them out, if we can gently forbear in love we still may need to point out wrong behavior but if we do it with love and kindness if if that's what leads us to repentance with our god uh, that's what can lead to their repentance and whatever behavior is frustrating us and one thought i have john in my own life i think we've got to be honest here i can pull this off pretty good with the people that I work with, the people I run into in the grocery store, but in my own experience, the ones that it's hardest to be patient with 
are the ones we love the most, the ones we're in intimate relationship with, your spouse, your kids, your family. Because I think what happens, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, is that because we have this intimate relationship, we have greater expectations of them. I don't have as much expectations of the people I meet in the street or the people I rub elbows with at work, but those people I'm in intimate relationship with, I, I got to admit, I, I, I have, and I shouldn't, but it's almost uh, like I have greater expectation because they're in the same relationship with me that I want to be with them. That's has right. it been your experience? Well, it certainly is. And I tend to give people a break much more commonly if they're not in the, those groups you just described. When I think about it, Frank, it is because we expect more of them. You know, we've, in, we've invested time. We've invested effort to build relationship, to share ourselves, our lives, our failures and our successes, our savior with them. And we, we expect, we hope, we'd like to see that it takes a root there too. But you know, my friend, sometimes it doesn't. And listening to you talk, my mind goes to 1 Corinthians 13. And this is how I think our father looks at us. First, 1 Corinthians 13, in my mind, is the ultimate God gives me a break passage because he loves me. Hmm. He believes all things about me. He hopes all things about me. He believes the best about me. How, do, how can he do that? Because he knows that his life in me can resonate with himself, my spirit with his spirit, and we can see manifest in my life the same fruit that was in his life. So he knows the truth about me. He knows that I am capable of this. And so he is patient. He's waiting, waiting for us to say, yes, sir, you're right. I was wrong. Thank you for never giving up on me. So my friend, when I, when I think about our family and our friends and those closest to us, maybe instead of saying, my God, give me a break. I've been talking to you about this for years. Maybe we should just say, you know, I believe the best about you. I'm hoping because I know the truth about you. And I'm praying that this truth will be manifest in your life. I tell you, man, that would change how we view some of these people, wouldn't it? Oh, I think feeling safe, feeling loved they're going to listen better. And I think what you know, you're really communicating there is, again, that we've talked about this many times out of Hebrews, that Jesus learned obedience in this world. And that word obedience is he learned to listen to his father's voice. And that's what it really takes. We need to be listeners talking with God, developing relationship with God, listening for his voice, because he will speak to our hearts in that moment. John, can I share two stories? Sure, go ahead. Um, you know me. I'm, I don't like being late. Time is a full <laughs> <end>. <laughs> I, Really? I, oh, no. You, in our family, talk to him. I'm the one that always wants to be early, but I married into the late family. I would rather be an hour early than five minutes late, but, and uh, they know that I'm, I have always too many things on my plate. I can't get them done. And so one day Ben came to work with me 
And he was all of about five years old. And if you remember back a long time ago, I had a very old truck, didn't have air conditioning. If we left at quarter to five, I could beat the traffic home and be home in 20 minutes. If we left any later than that, we hit the traffic and it would be 5.30, quarter to six to get home. So we're packing up and he goes, can I go get a drink? And I said, I'm in a hurry, Ben. We got to get in there because it's hot in South Louisiana. Hurry up. Well, he was out there and he was out there and he's out there and I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. And my temper starting to rise. And so I go back into the church and he is at the drinking fountain. And you know, those little coffee stirs. Yeah. He is drinking <laughs> the water out of the drinking fountain with that little coffee stir. And everything in me is welling up because now I have a 45 minute to an hour drive in blistering South Louisiana with no air conditioning because this five-year-old is sipping water through a little teeny straw instead of taking a drink. And as I welled up and started to say something that listened to the father's voice. And this is what was in, put in my mind. Who's the one with the problem here? That little boy is acting like a little boy. And so I was like, Oh, it was like deflating a balloon. And I looked at him and I said, what you doing, Ben? He said, I'm drinking the water to this trois. It's fun. You want to try? And then next, <laughs> so I got myself a little coffee stir straw. And together we sucked that water out of that fountain and spit that water at each other and had a great laugh. And we sweated on the way home for an hour. But what could have been a moment that would have destroyed a little boy in a way the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts. He does. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And fortunately, I wanted to cultivate that kind of a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And there was another time I was building a brick planter and I had gotten the bricks. And so I had all the bricks out in the garage. And I said, Ben Leslie, come here. Your job is to move the bricks from here to the job site to where I'm going to build this brick planter. I said, now let's get it done. And so I go back inside, you know, get my water, get my gloves, get everything ready. And I come back outside. And do you remember those little Tykes tractors? Yep. Okay. They were playing worker men. And how do I know that? Because I came outside and I looked at those two and they were playing instead of working. And I'm <laughs> starting to rise up. And there's that Holy Spirit saying, they're being kids. And I, I sat there thinking, that's not how I would have done it. That's not how I really wanted it done. But they were doing what I asked them to do. And it was so funny because Ben was riding the, the tractor and Leslie pretended like she had a walkie-talkie. And Ben gets up and, and his little walkie-talkie says, load of bricks coming to the job site. And she said, <laughs> all right, bring them over here. And they were getting the job done, but they were doing it the way a kid would. And I had to realize I had become too adult in this world. I try to teach people, John, that this world is really a playground that God made for us. And I think sometimes we just get so wrapped up in all that we got to do, we forget to play as adults. And I think of you know the movie Hook? 
Yes. And, and you remember that Peter Pan grew up and all the lost boys were saying, I know you're in there somewhere, Peter, you know, please come back out and play. And I also think of, you know, not just a couple of years ago, they did a movie on Christopher Robin and how Winnie the Pooh and Tigger and all of them, Christopher had grown up and he was so adult, he forgot to play. And I just kind of think, John, in this topic today, I think the father loves us and he wants us to not be so self-absorbed and so self-concerned and not take ourselves too seriously. And if we would do that, I think it would go a long way towards trusting him to express his life through us. And then we'd be patient and tenderhearted and forbearing and especially with our kids. Yeah. Anyway, that was my waxing eloquent. <laughs> oh, no, there you go. Pretty eloquent, my friend. You know, one thing, one thing popped into my mind while you're telling those stories is that uh, we set our plans in motion, but uh, God really directs the steps. Mm. And if we insist on maintaining to our path, our schedule, we're going to miss what he might have for us. But if we choose instead to leave the consequences with him, we might walk through life with a whole lot more peace and rest and a lot more smiles for those folks who, uh, who really tend to frustrate us. Because my friend, you and I both know that we are all in the process of learning how to walk. Mm -hmm. Not only children, but adults, we're all in the process. And mm -hmm. he's not finished with us, just like Jesus you know, he was made perfect by the things he suffered. That doesn't mean that he was imperfect. It just means he wasn't completely suited yet for the purpose that God had set him out to accomplish. He wasn't completely equipped to be the Messiah. And so, Frank, you're not completely equipped yet for what your father wants to do in you. Neither am mm -hmm. I. And if we remember that, it might really help us to, well, next time we walk into church and we see a bunch of hammerheads, to walk gently and tenderly and with love and patience toward them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think, John, you know, sometimes we're so fixed on the destination, on the accomplishment, that we miss the joy of the journey. And the journey really involves people, like you said. And when we can meet them where they are, we might not as accomplish as much as we wanted to, but will impact lives. And that's really, I think, you know, what this thing is all about. I think back to the old book where life begets life. And, you know, John, if you think about it, Jesus said an amazing thing in John 17 in his, what's called his high priestly prayer before he finishes his work. He said, Father, I ask that you not take them out of this world. I mean, that's an amazing statement. Otherwise, if we get saved, why didn't he just take us to heaven right away? That's right. Uh, we're here because we're his ambassadors. As Paul put it, we're his living letters. We're the ones that the people of the world are supposed to look at us and say, oh, so that's what Jesus is like. And uh, that's a pretty heavy mission. It's it's. Back to where we started when you started this thing. 
It's all about love. That's right. It certainly is. Now, I want to throw a little bit of a wrinkle in here, my friend, before we begin to wrap this up. We've been talking about uh, being patient with one another and the larger context for this conversation. And in fact, all the conversations we've had has been uh, within the body of Christ. But you know, patience is something that can go a long way when we're interfacing with the world as well. Mm-hmm. There, Frankly, my friend, there are some people out there who want nothing more than to hurt us, than mm-hmm. to tear us down, than to just slander our reputation, to rip us to shreds in front of those whom we love. And so where does this all fit in with those who are obviously hostile to us? Mm. You know, again, John, this is not something we can manufacture. Jesus told us that we have to love our enemies. In fact, I, this, I just taught a retreat this weekend. And one of the things I often do when I do a retreat is I ask test questions. And if you think about it, John, our education system tests all the time. Well, they test because they want to know what we've learned, and then they can teach us what we haven't learned. So it's a wonderful tool. But you you think about it, we never do any tests in church. So a teacher really never knows whether the people are getting it or not. And one of the test questions I often ask is, how was Jesus able to do all that he did? He loved his enemies. He walked on the water. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. What's your answer? And you know, John, inevitably, many, many Christians will write down, because I'm writing on a piece of paper, they'll answer that because he was God. And if that's the answer, that's really bad news, because we're called to love our enemies too. Well, if he loved his enemies because he's God, we're not God, then Jesus, the Father, is calling us to do something we can never do. So that's the wrong answer. Jesus said, I live out of the Father. He said, I do nothing without him. As I hear from him, I speak. As I hear from him, I judge. And he told Philip in John 14, you know, if you can't believe that I'm like the father, I am in the father, believe my works. That's the proof. It was the works of the father. So the answer is his method was dependence on the father. And in John 6, he says the same thing. I lived out of the father. Now you live out of me. So again, the key is only if we live from Jesus with his life, will we be able to love our enemies. If we try to do it on our own, we will crack and we will either explode and beat them up or we'll do the Christian thing, which is simply avoid people. Yeah. (laughs) You know, sometimes I jokingly say, my friend, that uh, perhaps you've heard me say this sometimes the best way to live at peace with some people is to live a fur peace from them. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think that's most people's way to love their enemies. They just avoid them. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if, if I hear you correctly, my friend, what we're, what we're focusing on here is that there isn't one playbook for the church and a second playbook for the world. Mm-hmm. It's just simply the life of Christ and we choosing to trust him even when the circumstances can be so incredibly difficult, challenging, humbling, humiliating, embarrassing, just trusting him that he will bring good from whatever circumstances we might find ourselves in. So there's really no second playbook, is there? 
No, the Christ life is the Christ life, and he loves the world. That's right. If he didn't, then I would be doomed because he would be waiting, tapping his foot for me to figure out that I was a sinner and come and ask. He didn't. He went to the cross first and made it possible for me to come and Mm. drew me to himself. One last thought before we wrap this up, my friend. Genesis 15, I want to talk about patience and just how incredibly patient our father can be. There's a passage in Genesis 15 where God patiently waited for 400 years, four (laughs) generations. You know, should we go in, Father God, and wipe out the Amorites? Nah, you know, they're they're, they're not ready yet. You just got to wait. And and it was generations (laughs) before he finally said, okay, time's up. You know, I look at that and it's so easy to read over it. But when you place yourself in that circumstance and you just get a glimpse of how patient, how long suffering Mm. our father is to us, when he opens our eyes to what a burden we can be to him sometimes, Mm. uh, but still he forgives us, he accepts us, he's patient with us, he shows us compassion. And uh, so we, we never really know. We just climb into his lap and say, wow, it's really great to be here, Father. Thank you for accepting me. And it's like all those years and all those complaints, he just pushes them aside because he just relishes in the relationship. Mm. You know, it's funny, the, that word long suffering. I've had people over the years ask me what that means. And I tell them it means to suffer long with people. (laughs) I want to add one thought, John, in this idea of patience. And and this might be a foreign thought to this discussion, but I think it's important. I think that includes being patient with our own selves. When we stumble, when we fall, we make a, a decision we shouldn't make. Uh, and then we look in the mirror and go, I'm so stupid. I'm such an idiot. I'm such a failure. You know, it's a universal law that we can't give what we don't have. So we need to start by taking it easy on ourselves and relaxing, not taking ourselves too seriously and, and being patient. Because as you said earlier, we're all in the same journey. And, you know, thank God I'm not what I used to be. I'm not what I maybe should be in my walk, but I'm not what I used to be either. There is a progress in my walk of faith. And we need to be uh, a little more patient with ourselves as well. You know, when we talk about, uh, maybe we should change the title of this series, Frank, for the one another, from the one another's to one another and yourself too, because mm. every one of the things we've been talking about needs to be placed on our shoulders as well. So be patient with yourself. Just as you give others a break, give (laughs) yourself a break, okay? Forgive yourself. In the long-term scheme of things, throughout eternity, it's probably nowhere near as important as the enemy would lead you to believe. Amen. Wow. That's about (laughs) it for today. Any last words of wisdom for us? This isn't going to happen without Christ as your life. That's the bottom line. Don't try to make this happen. You will fail. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yes. And uh, 
We know that, my friend, from experience, don't we? Yes, sir. Okay. Well, friends, thanks again for listening to us today on the Our Resolute Hope podcast. It's been an honor to have you join us. We've been talking about the one another's take on life in the body of Christ. So please visit our website, ourresolutehope.com. We've got some new stuff there. Pop us an email, sign up for our newsletter. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Become a member. We've got some brand new stuff there, including a series, a video series of messages on forgiveness, which really have helped to turn a church around. And so also check us out on Amazon for some new books by Pastor Frank, including his latest Finding God in the Gray, The Lonely Path of Pain, which I've heard someone say, Frank, is bound to be a classic. We'll see. (laughs) We certainly will pray that it will. And of course, follow us on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, and our latest, Instagram. And once again, as always, we close with uh, the reminder that you hear on every episode. It comes from Hebrews 6, reminding us that we have a hope, an anchor for our souls. Peter calls it a living hope. Frank and I, we call it a resolute, a steadfast hope. And that hope is Jesus. So today and always, choose hope and choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, he offers you himself, his own life. He wants to live his life with you, in you, and through you as you trust him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.